At Giant Eagle, my perks means earning perks and dollar rewards fast. Plus, big savings down every aisle with new lower prices on thousands of items. More perks, easy savings. Now that's rewarding. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running Gold Coast Sun show on the interwebs. I'm your host Shane and this show is brought to you by our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Tom Kim and Tim. If you like, you can, you can support the show over at Patreon just like our fellow Patreon sponsors. Uh, you can also support the show by heading on over to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcasts from and like, subscribe and review the show to help others find our little Gold Coast Suns community. Uh, tonight's show is a, it's a mixed feelings, let's be honest. The Gold Coast Suns probably played their worst game of the season and uh, arguably the worst game in a few years. And tonight, to help me break it down, uh, Sean Tobin from the Heat Room Podcast, uh, Exclusive Insight and many other projects. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Shane. I appreciate it. Uh, it's good to be here, mate. I, I know you reached out um, over the weekend and, and asked if we uh, had some time on Tuesday night to do this. So we are recording this uh, on a Tuesday night, of course. Um, but uh, pleasure to be on. Yeah, fantastic. Looking forward to it. Has the heat room recorded for this week? Can I expect to wake up tomorrow morning and see that, or is that still to come? So you did you did shoot me a message and ask me uh, when the next episode of the heat room was going to drop. Uh, you would have obviously seen that over the last couple of weeks we have uh, had our special guests on the show. Uh, Tuke Miller, of course, All-Australian form, as well as Will Powell. Um, there will be an episode that will drop this week. Uh, I just have to touch base with Tom to determine when I'm actually uh, going to have some availability to do it, but there will be an episode coming this week, of course. Oh, great. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the more Suns podcasts, the better. Uh, something to dwell over and think about. How has your uh, exclusive Insight project been going? We know that you you went into partnership with Gary Ablett Jr. on that one. Is that taken off? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So exclusive Insight's always been, the, the I suppose, the, the pillar and the brand of... of all the projects that we've worked underneath. Um, so certainly, of course, as you mentioned, I, I was at the Gold Coast Suns till the end of 2017 and, and um, uh, have since been in, in partnership uh, with uh, Gary Ablett Jr., who, of course, is the is the favourite son of the Gold Coast Suns. And, um, look, it's been it's been incredibly exciting with some of the projects that we've been doing at the moment. Um, the, the one that's probably taken up most of my time is, uh, is Ablett Wines, which is a, uh, a uh, promotional uh, wine company that we've started to sell the success of, of athletes all around Australia. Um, of course, we've done a release with, with Gary Ablett Jr. We actually have, actually have one currently, which is the Ablett Family Edition, which is actually paying homage to Gary Ablett Jr. and Gary Ablett Sr. And it comes just weeks after we did a uh, Premiership Captain Shiraz with uh, Richmond Triple Premiership Superstar Trent Cochin. So it's been a, uh, it's been a very busy uh, couple of months, but uh, certainly very exciting as well. Yeah, I've seen the Ablett Wines promotions come up before. Has um, was that your idea or was that Gary's? Who who's the wine aficionado that uh, came up with that 
that. Well, well, it's 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 uh, it's it's obviously got Gary's namesake on it, so I should probably give him the credit, of course. But uh, no, look, with with, with all the, the great ideas, if they're great ideas, Shane, I came up with them. <laughs> if they're ones that uh, are a little bit fifty-fifty, I always blame uh, Gary or, uh, of course, uh, Jazz, uh, who is Gary's other business partner, who's based on the Gold Coast as well. But uh, no, look, it, it was uh, of course Gary was actually based up here on the Gold Coast last year. Uh, last year during the hubs and uh, we had a, the opportunity to obviously spend a lot more time together which was fantastic for, for me um, but uh, this was just one of the many concepts that, that we were floating around last year we, we came up with the concept we're working with an unbelievable uh, wine uh, and vineyard group uh, the Austin Wines uh, family uh, in uh, the Mirable Valley um, so we've uh, yeah we've got a we've got a partnership in place there and uh, that's been fantastic so we've actually got a number of uh, releases that we're looking forward to hopefully um, dropping this year uh, that will all revolve around other AFL personalities. So uh, we're very excited. The, uh, the the response has been overwhelming, and, and they're all very, they're all limited edition wines, so they're never to be repeated. And um, of course, for all the Suns fans that are listening right now, there's a limited edition uh, Gary Ablett uh, uh, Junior and Senior uh, Shiraz and Pinot Noir, and every single bottle. Uh, will actually be signed by both Gary Ablett Jr. and Gary Ablett Sr. So it is a very special um, release to commemorate their 36 years in the AFL as a family. That sounds great. Any uh, any anyone that likes to collect football memorabilia or even wine um, wine classes, I guess, um, fantastic opportunity there. So look out for Ablett Wines. Uh, one of the other. I guess one of your other former uh, colleagues that you used to work with back when you were doing the media managing at the Gold Coast Suns was uh, Michael Fish Whiting. So he told he was on the show last week, and he told us that the Northern Exposure podcast he did with Hamo was actually what your idea. Oh, well, I did say to you before, Shane, all, all the all the ideas that turned out to be great, they are my ideas, so Fish was absolutely on the money there. Uh, I uh, I did catch, actually, the, uh, the the portion of your show last week where Fish was on, and fantastic episode and, and, and fantastic guy, um, Michael Whiting. He's been covering the, the AFL in Queensland for a number of years. He, he knows how I feel about him, and um, I, uh, I I did go to to. Uh, Michael Whiting and Andrew Hamilton, um, formerly from the Career Mail, now at the Brisbane Lions, uh, in their media relations department. I did go to, to both guys a, a few years ago and, and suggest uh, the Northern Exposure uh, podcast, which was which was fantastic. Un- unfortunately, just purely through logistics, um, as Fish mentioned on your show last week, he's based in Brisbane. I'm obviously based on the Gold Coast with Andrew and. Trying to find that time every week to record was was incredibly difficult um, for, for for all of us, and um, I suppose you know time does get in the way of things as well. And um, uh, yeah, certainly certainly would love to bring back the show at some stage, but um, I know obviously with Hamo being involved in the Brisbane Lions, I think even last week he wasn't able to come onto your show, so I, I reckon we, we might have to wait for a, for a while there before we get back into it. Yeah, I think that's going to be the key to get Hamo out of the uh, Brisbane Lions den. But um, did you ever, being playing the role of the media manager at the Suns and then also working with those guys on the podcast, which last week we discussed was a lot more opinionated for these guys being able to express their opinions. Did you ever feel like you're in the awkward position to have to talk to these guys about, well, what you said on the show isn't really a good look for that for the Suns, can we uh, can we do something uh, about that? You didn't have to discuss uh, that with them. 
Oh, look, I'll be honest. I think I think the AFL, um, in particular, is a sport where at times we do probably try and manage the outcomes or manage the narrative a bit too much. Um, you know, but at the same time, we're an opinion-based industry. So, I I think it's really healthy to have an opinion. Um, I do a podcast every week with a Brisbane Lions player, uh, Mitch Robinson. Um, uh, which we, we record every week and you know the, the whole reason we started that was to give Mitch a, a, a platform to be able to have an opinion uh, which we're very lucky for that to be supported by Culture Kings, 7 AFL and Telstra and um, yeah, from, from my perspective I, I think it's healthy to have an opinion. Um, I suppose my role at the Gold Coast Suns, I always kind of took the approach that um, look if we deserve a whack, whack us. does not phase me in the slightest. What, what I probably didn't want is people not feeling like they couldn't um, uh, reach out to the club for, for honest truths or honest commentary. So I took you know, great pride in, in making people feel like if they called me for anything, they knew they were getting the truth about whatever the topic might be. Um, and I would like to think that's probably the reason why myself, Michael and, and Hammer were able to still have really good relationships post my um, days at the Gold Coast Suns and, and even in the work that they've done since. So look, I, I think those guys are incredibly balanced. I think Fish even spoke about it last week, how he probably at times struggled with the concept because Hamo is a lot more opinionated than him. Um, but at the same time, you know, Fish was really honest in, in some of his assessment and, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think I think it's important to be honest in all our communications and, and sometimes, um, you know, that's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing, but um, at the end of the day, I think fans, members and supporters, they, they, they want to hear the truth and, and they don't they don't want a sugar-coated answer. Um, if you genuinely feel passionate about a particular topic, you know, I think it's, it's important that you say it, um, you know, with, with, with no fear or favour. Yeah, and in the spirit of honesty, um, we're not going to hold back on what happened over the weekend because it's just not something we can sugarcoat. So if you if you feel like this is going to be a, a bit too negative, probably tune out for the next 20 minutes and come back later. Uh, because... well, 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 just on that, Shane, because I, I wanted to ask you, I, I noticed um, that there was actually a, a, a supporter uh, Sun supporter on a on a members page recently who actually called out you for for some of your commentary around the Gold Coast Suns and suggesting that potentially you you might have been a bit too negative on the club. Did did you see that comment? And and if so, what what were your thoughts um, when you read it? I was shocked to be honest. Um, I I hold back a lot of my thoughts and opinions on things like this because I'm aware that what I say would reach is likely to reach players and family members off off those players. And this is a game of football. It's nothing to attack these people individually or personally. I'm My thoughts and opinions are about the team and the, the way the game was played. So I try to focus on the facts. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit shocked by that. I didn't think I'd been too negative. Uh, but I can understand that someone would think that way because... Uh, the the weeks leading up to that comment, we'd had a couple of poor just poor games, and we we built up this preseason that this is the time for us to start taking, uh, bringing expectations to the tables and holding the Suns accountable. Uh, they they'd let us down in those few weeks, so naturally I felt a bit hurt with the football club. I. I just displayed that to the best of my ability without being uh, too dramatic or too one-sided. And um, But, you know, 
it's the social media there's there's way more negative people out there than me and there's also way more positive people out there than me so I try to keep it balanced what about yourself oh look I, I certainly saw the comment um, I, uh, I to be honest I kind of laughed because I think as I told you off air I've probably at times been called out for being too positive so um, I, I, I kind of thought you know certainly over that two-week period that you mentioned you know the, the club was, was really struggling to find form um, but as I mentioned you know I, I'm, I'm very lucky that a lot of people um, you know, choose to, to listen in to, to the Heat Room podcast or to, to listen to your show of course the Sunscast to, um, uh, to to hear what you know what we have to say and at the end of the day you know I suppose I'm not getting paid to be on here to talk about the Suns, you know, with you, nor are you getting, um, I suppose, paid to, to be here. You know, we're doing this because we, we love and support the club and, you know, we, we want to try and grow the game, you know, and, and I think it's super important that, um, you know, we, we do everything possible to be as fair and as honest for the for the club, um, members, supporters and fans to to understand exactly, you know, because I think part of it too, Shane, is, and I'm, I'm sure you feel like this, you know, you're a conduit um, to the fans and the players. Um, you know, you're you're echoing the thoughts of, of what fans are feeling and what other fans are wanting to engage with. So, um, I certainly understand, and, and Gary probably can attest this better than I ever can. That you're not going to appease everyone in life, but I think what's really important is you're always honest with yourself. You're always honest with um, the, the the commentary that you might have or the feelings that you might have, and, and understand that it's it's never personal. Like, and, and I, I never take things. Um, you know, personal in that regards, because it's it's just about you know commenting on the game that we all love. Um, and uh, yeah, certainly I, I did see the comment, but um, look, I, I also understand that at the time there were a lot of Suns fans, members, and fans that were frustrated with that two week period. Yeah, look, uh, we we thought that that was behind us with um, the way the Suns had started the year, but unfortunately they're still young. They're still going to have these lapses. Um, all we can hope for is that they they become fewer and fewer in between. Uh, because as a an eleven year Sun supporter now, I'm honestly I'm just feeling a bit worn out. So I can only imagine the players and the people at the club are feeling the same way. Um, and that so so Shane with, Shane, you mentioned the word young there. Do you do you think the club would like to be called young at this point in time? With at this at this point, no. The club doesn't want to be called young. I would. Yeah. But 99% sure that that's the club's opinion on that. Mind you, I haven't spoken to anyone at the club. But, you know, they're 11 years into the competition. What The message we were being sold before the Suns came into the competition is in stark contrast to the message we're still being sold right now. And I wouldn't think the club would want to be associated with still being young. Um, and... That comes to do with the fact we've had to do multiple resets or rebuilds, whatever you want to call it, and the club, you know, has a young playing list. So, uh, like we, well, yeah, let's let's jump straight into this. The Gold Coast Suns were beaten both uh, Brisbane pretty convincingly, uh, seventy-three point loss there, fifty-one to one twenty-four, with King the only multiple goal scorer, uh, with two goals. The only players that really stood up in this game... Now, you can argue with this, but the only players that really stood up was Swallow with 29 disposals and four tackles. And I would say Sam Flanders, the young son, I think he's played less than a dozen games. He had 34 Mm. pressure acts, 
four tackles, one goal, and 16 disposals. I, I struggled to find another player on the field that was that aggressive and that demanding for the ball than uh, Sam Flanders. Yeah, oh, yeah, certainly. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with you there. And um, oh, I certainly thought just on Swallow that, yeah, look, he certainly did all he could to, to sort of champion the group and, and try and spark a, a, a revival um, during the game. But oh, look, fourteen unanswered goals. Um, that, that's just going to that's just going to destroy anyone. I mean, that's just that 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 was so hard to watch. I, I was obviously there, and um, yeah, I just I, I just I, I really felt for for. Um, the supporters and the members, and uh, again, seeing someone like Swallow just continue to give his all. I mean, it's uh, you know, yeah, it's, it certainly is hard to watch at times. It is, and you know, I'm one of the the many members that were leaving at three quarter time. So there, and I was wow. So so so, 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 so you you left you left before the final siren, Chad. Oh yeah, absolutely. I usually leave before the final siren, but that's purely because I want to catch the train back and not have to wait around for half an hour after the game to to catch the train but this was the first time I've left a game at three quarter time since uh, I want to say 2018 Um, one of the floggings we got that year but yeah 14 unanswered goals the the players didn't look like they wanted to be out there and uh, as a fan me and my mate we decided we'd probably be better off looking for a nearby pub. So um, I caught the last quarter of the game later on that night on uh, Foxtel. But, uh, yeah, it's not something I, I wanted to stick around for and watch. And, you know, to the, the fans that did stick around and watch it, all the hats off to you. You can put up with a lot more uh, torture than I can. Yeah, well, I mean, look, that, that's certainly a, a very... Um a very strong stance, um, Shane, to, to leave before um, the final siren. Uh, and, and look, I'm sure you weren't alone in that, Shane. Um, I'm sure there were others that, that did the same thing that, that that just couldn't stomach what they were uh, what they were seeing before them. Yeah, the buses were filling up, so there was certainly a, a good chunk. I'd say easily a few thousand that were that were leaving the stadium at three quarter time. Um, the only other players that you can mention as contributed to the night, I mean, Jack Lacocious did his job at 689 metres gain, despite the criticism he's received over the last few days for his uh, contested efforts. And Hugh Greenwood, with seven clearances and 20 disposals, uh, does what he does best. Um, the only thing there was he was down with his tackles which is surprising because Hugh Greenwood was leading the competition in tackles and I don't have the stats in front of me but I don't think he got more than four because uh, Sam Flanders was leading the club with tackles on four yeah. tackles um, so, 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 uh, so after the game Shane, Stuart Juice uh, his words said that he, he, he felt like they they had lost a lot of the, co- the respect that they had been building over the past few weeks and, and lost respect of the competition and supporters. Uh, what, what did you feel when you heard that? I, Yeah, I was actually relieved to hear that because I was relieved to hear that someone at the football club was taking ownership of what happened, acknowledging that it wasn't good enough and looking looking for answers. Um, now they don't 
haven't been able to give us answers yet. We'll be looking for the Ge- game against Geelong to see what answers they can give us. But it, it was just good as a fan that was upset with the response from the team that the the hierarchy at the Suns had acknowledged where they'd gone wrong. Um, I guess you could call it justification. But, you know, you don't want to hear your coach come out and say, we've lost respect of the competition. Um, but that's exactly what had happened. And they'd lost respect of the supporters and members, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, well, well, well certainly, you know, I suppose what disappointed me was, you know, for, for Queensland football, this is the aspect of This is the best of, of, of this is this is one of the best showcases that I suppose uh, in the Metricon Stadium or the Gabba is, is going to be able to have, um, uh, you know, this year. It's, it's a game that's penciled into the calendar. It means so much to, to Queensland football. Um, and it certainly looked as though it just didn't mean enough for one team. And um, again, that, that's incredibly disappointing given um, the inroads that, that have been made, you know, throughout the year, as, as Stuart you alluded to, and, and how quickly that can go, you know, with a performance like that. And again, that, that's probably what disappointed me the most is just, you know, th- that is the Q clash is, is, you know, we've seen how how respected uh, the Battle of the Bridge is becoming in New South Wales, the showdown in, in South Australia, the, the Derby in uh, Western Australia, and, and to see what uh, David King called uh, as the Q crash, um, I was uh, I was really disappointed for, for, for footy in Queensland. Yeah, you would have done a lot of work in your time at the Suns around this time of year to build up things like the Q clash. So does do you feel like that makes it a little more painful as well? Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. I mean, there's no mistake in that in, in Queensland and New South Wales, um, you know, we're, we're not just growing for football clubs, um, but we're also growing the game in these markets. And this is the growth markets. This is where, you know, on the back of last year with the amount of exposure that Queensland had to AFL football, this is where the growth is coming, you know. And, um, you know, to, to, see that, to see that game... Um, you know, being played on the weekend, but and the performance from the Suns. I mean, I, I was. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'm. I'm really looking forward to to the next Q Clash later this year. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Because I guarantee you, the Suns aren't going to be presenting what they what they presented on the weekend. There's going to be a response. There's going to have to be a response, because um, you know, this is supposed to be a showcase of, of the best of Queensland football. And and uh, you know, we I mean, we certainly saw Brisbane flying, and we saw you know why, why they're regarded as a as a genuine Premiership contender, um, because 14 unanswered goals. I mean, that's just that's it. it's inexcusable. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, the things that didn't work. Uh, we can point at the effort and the passion and as a, myself and a lot of the other fellow supporters around me at the game were blaming the umpires they let like not going to umpire bash but it hasn't been a great weekend for umpiring and the rest of the media is doing all the bashing for us um but the yeah the lack of effort the lack of passion uh we were smashed with disposals. The Sun- Lions had 119 more disposals than the Suns, 17 more clearances, 24 more contested possessions. 
and 90 uncontested possessions more. Uh, the Suns basically lost every key indicator for work rate and pressure, and it was very telling on the score and the way that game played out. But it wasn't just that, uh, Sean. It was it was the, the contests. It seemed like Brisbane were were just pushing boys around the, the whole time. Brisbane, they... Like Andrew, Harris Andrews was easily able to push Ben King out of the way pretty much every single time the ball went near him and that followed throughout the ground that the boys just weren't strong enough to plant their foot in the ground and stand up against against the Lions Well I'll, I'll tell you what, the, the Lions had, oh, I think from memory it was about 120 more uh, disposals more than the Suns and, and only lost the tackle count by four um, yeah, that, that that probably tells the story in itself. Yeah. So, where to from here? I mean, looking at the the game, uh, you you first think, well, the players that aren't uh, chasing, aren't laying tackles, aren't doing the one percenters, need to have a reality check. But I also think there's a gaping big hole that was exposed against Brisbane, and that is our lack of on-field leadership. Now. I know we've got our co-captain David Swallow still running around out there, but he strikes me as one of the less vocal captains you would have in an AFL competition. And uh, losing a player like Jared Witts, who I think really picked up that slack and complimented David Swallow well, uh, losing him and then losing our vice-captain in Tuke Miller, who again is a similar sort of leader on the field, I really feel like that's that was a big problem for the Suns and why they weren't able to arrest that 14-goal sl- uh, slide that Brisbane had got. got. Yeah, cert- well, look, certainly, as you, as you mentioned, there, there's certainly a, a lack of leadership that was shown on the weekend. I mean, David Swallow, you know, did, did everything he possibly could to, to, to really lead um, you know, the troops. But as you touched on, Swallow, is, uh, he leads by exact, his actions rather than his words. And, and that's where you know, Jared uh, with certainly compliments um, their, their co-captaincy arrangement. Um, Two has certainly stepped up into that role as, as being a, a very vocal vice-captain. Um, I suppose if you look at the, 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 uh, the team on the weekend, I mean, of course, you know, Personnel has seen Jared Harbour, um, obviously not not in the side at the moment. But uh, again, do you think of the leadership that he brings when he's out, uh, you know, out playing over the years? They've lost Pierce Hanley and Michael Riscatelli. So, uh, you know, Matt Rosa, there, there, there are there are players out there that can certainly uh, step up and be those leaders. But I think that's where a lot of the emphasis and investment has to come to as well. You know, we've got to be developing these guys as quickly as possible to become those leaders um, that we need in the team. Because, you know, the, the list is what it is. You know, you can't just magically go and get a, you know, a, a 200 game player from somewhere else and 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 just expect that they're going to help fill the void. Like, the the, the list is what it is. Um, so, you know, we we need players to step up and, and and be leaders. And at the end of the day, you need 22 leaders out there. Um, you know, playing their roles to the best of their abilities to help the side win. Yeah. I saw an interesting stat the other day um, regarding the Suns team that ran out against Brisbane, and only three players from that side had played over 100 games, uh, 150 games, because I'll add that Sean Lemons has now hit 100 as well. Uh, but Brandon Ellis, uh, David Swallow, and Hugh Greenwood, uh, the most experienced players 
in that side. Um, the rest of the, the team, I think the <coughs> average games averages out to around 50-odd games uh, for the rest of that side. So it, it just shows how young a side we still are. Now, we may have gotten ahead of ourselves in expecting more from the Suns this year, and that's been exposed with the, the injuries to key players like Wits and Sam Day, Matt Rouse, and add Jack Bowes to that list now. But... Uh, we, yeah, but, but, but Shane, I, I, I don't, I, I don't agree with you um, no? on that because uh, I think you may have seen the, the making, um, the making the mark Amazon uh, Prime documentary um, uh, where there was a conversation being had. You might have seen it during the rounds last week between Simon Bennett, uh, a director of the Gold Coast Suns, and Stuart Jew, where. Uh, it was it was said in the in the documentary, um, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the, the quote in front of me. But it was something along the lines of um, Simon was was saying to, to Stuart on the documentary that look, while winning games of uh, while, while being close um, uh, and and being close to winning games is is admirable, it's being close is, is not good enough anymore. Um, and so that's the that's the, the they're in the mode of winning. Um, that's where they believe they're at. That's the measuring stick that the club internally is using. So if that's the messaging, that, that has to filter through to all the communications. Yeah, it does. Um, I can't really think of any examples of it filtering down through the Suns media team, though, this year and sort of... I, I guess the players. The players, when they've been interviewed, they've all spoken that they want to win. They, they, they expect themselves to win games this year and... They, they challenged themselves to play finals this year. And at this rate, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, so you don't think that that the, the goalposts have been shifted because of key injuries? Well, my, my, my only view is if, if injuries to three key players is going to throw out the, the, um, the objectives that you have for that year, then I would say that the objectives were wrong. Um, like at the end of the day, you've got 22 players out there. You know, everyone needs to step up and perform their roles. And whether externally that's the message or not, we, we found out internally from the documentary that that's the internal message that they believe, that um, being close isn't good enough anymore. They need to be winning games of football. And that, that's the messaging. That, that came from a director of the football club. And I'm not saying that's wrrong. I'm saying that that's, that's the, that's the attitude. And I love the fact that that's the attitude because, um, you know, that's how, that's how you, you, you create excellence. You need to be setting high standards. And I, I love the fact that, um, you know, Stuart, you and, and Simon Bennett, uh, a, a, that's their mindset because essentially that's what they're telling us, um, through the documentary is that's where they see themselves being, you know, in a win now mode. Yeah, it's uh, definitely something that we've trying, been trying to convey this year, hasn't it? Uh, on the Heat Room podcast, I, I think I, what you said on the Heat Room podcast earlier this year about expecting more, and basically along the lines of what you were just saying, and I, I wholeheartedly agreed with you on it and started running with it on this show as well because it's really a community thing that we've got to hold them accountable if that's what they're going to set themselves to. Because otherwise, who, well, who else are you answering to? Well, 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 my view is, I mean, when we talk about the club, we're talking about the players, the coaches, the staff, the, the members, the fans, the supporters. And, 
Um, look, I mean, it, it was a it was a really interesting um, uh, sort of comment that um, oh, who was it? The the Brownlow medalist Adam Cooney uh, made it a couple of weeks ago about the Suns. Did you see what Adam Cooney had to say about the Suns? Um, no, you uh, earlier this year. Remember. Uh, so, so he he, he spoke about. Um, I'm just trying to get up the uh, the tweet the tweet at the moment because I, I thought it was quite interesting um, when he spoke about the the Gold Coast and I suppose what he um, I suppose just the, the feeling about um, whether or not uh, there's enough pressure. Um, he, he he said he said and I quote: "I love the way they play, but the issue with the Suns is that." They've got, they're out of the pressure cooker. There's no real heat on these players. They've got it too easy up there. And, and I kind of I kind of looked at that and went, well, he's not wrong. I, I, we've always said that the, the Suns, you know, they're out of sight, out of mind. Brisbane are the same, you know, in terms of that, that pressure that's built in other markets. You spoke about Adelaide before we came on the air, how, you know, how brutal, you know, some of the commentary can be. But, uh, you know, a lot of people believe pressure creates diamonds. And... Um, you know, I suppose without that pressure, maybe there's 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 not the uh, pressure to perform on a consistent basis, and I just thought it was an interesting take from from Adam. No, it's it's a take that's I I pretty much agree with it. I mean, that's the way I've I guess if you look down, I mean, you could you could go down as as simple as how you deal with relationships in everyday life and how you support people and everything. And I'm not the greatest at at supporting someone but I'm there to help them uh, stand up by acknowledging what they've done wrong and where they can improve and that that's all it is really um, while some people will try and turn around and say oh you've got to support the team you've got to uh, support them through thick and thin that doesn't mean you don't have you can't criticize them and and show them where they've gone wrong well, and this is where I probably, um, I, I really try and strike that balance as, as, as well as I possibly can. I, I, you mentioned a, a, um, a podcast episode that I did earlier this year where Tom and I spoke about the expectations for this year and, and I suppose that that's where I was coming at it from a point of view that I think we all, as, as members, fans, supporters, players and coaches and staff, need to um, embrace... The, the standards that we want to set and, and be high-performing. And it's all well and good to say, you know, all the right things, but you, you need to live it. You know, we need to hold each other accountable. Um, you know, if, if there are performances, like we saw on the weekend, that, um, you know, we'll, we'll always get around the team and we'll always get around the club, but it, it is important that we're being honest with ourselves as well because, again, you've got to hold yourselves to a higher standard. Um, and that's just that's not just for the players; it's for for everyone involved in the free club and supporters. Yeah, it brings me back to something I witnessed uh, during the game, which was the Lions captain Dane Zorko, the way he was carrying on on the field as a captain, uh, just yelling at his own teammates to to get into position. And um, yeah, if his I think one of his teammates had, had uh, turned the ball over and he was on them about what they did wrong. It was a very co- contrasting um, dynamic compared to what we saw from the Suns that night uh, where I didn't feel like there was enough uh, talk, I guess is the football term for it. There wasn't enough talk on the field between the players compared to what was going on with Brisbane and it really sort of shows that... Uh, the Lions seem to be creating their own pressure cooker environment. 
internally. At oh. least that's what I I got from it. Oh, mate, I catch up with um, I catch up with Mitch uh, Robinson every week, and um, I was actually talking to Hugh McCluggage last week with Mitch um, on our show, and you, you you can really get a sense of the expectations that they hold each other to account, and you know that was led from David Noble, you know, prior to his uh, departure to uh, the North Melbourne Footy Club, um, that the standards that that he and and uh, Greg Swan and um, uh, the, the coach of the Brisbane Lions, the name escapes me at the time, Chris Fagan, um, you know, set as well. You know, they, they, they go at it. And you, you talk, you spoke about uh, uh, Zorko. I mean, I, I saw him having a conversation with Robbo last week and they were just heated at each other for what was kind of what I looked like to me, a pretty basic and, and simple error. But they just would not allow that to go unnoticed. And, and they both called each, each other out on it and... You can see why they, they, they perform and, and they're such a cohesive unit because they, they hold each other to such high standards. Um, and, uh, you know, it's great to see. And I think when the Suns can start doing that, then we'll be able to start talking about them in the conversation of uh, being premiership favourites or contending at least for, for a premiership. But until Yeah, that... abs- absolutely. absolutely. But, but look, what I've always been really consistent on, Shane, and... You know, I, I, I've, I've been really consistent about this. Is I, I do believe Stuart Jew is the right coach. And I, I think it's one of those rare times where, you know, the coach is always the first to be blamed in these situations. You know, we've seen it, you know, over the years. Um, but I, I genuinely believe that, that Stuart is the right man to take the club forward. And I, I think there are changes elsewhere that, that need to be made. Um, but I, I, I've always been really consistent that I, I feel like this is one of those rare occasions where um, it's not the coach's fault. I genuinely believe that um, support needs to come from elsewhere and, and that you know, Stuart is the right man to take the club forward. And can you elaborate on what department you think the changes should be coming from? Oh, look, I'll, 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 keep, that, I'll, I'll keep that to myself for the time yeah. being. Oh, there, there may be a, a point in time this year where I'd be really comfortable you know, suggesting where I feel those changes can be made, but... Um, look, I've certainly been really consistent about where I feel um, you know, Stuart Jew um, uh, is at with the, with the footy club and, and I, I, I've always believed that he deserves the opportunity to um, have at least five years in the role. I believe this is his fourth year um, uh, at the footy club. I believe he's signed to the end of next year. So five years is a, is a great period to be able to, to, to really assess him but I do believe and I've been really consistent that I, I do believe he's the right man to take the club forward Yeah I'll back you in on that as well I, I agree I think Stuart Jew is the right man for the job and uh, we just need to get the right personnel around him and the right players in the side to, to do what needs to be done and if we look for some positives for the Gold Coast Suns coming up this season, well, they just need to try and scrape through and weather the storm until after the bye. Because in four weeks from now, the Suns will be able to welcome back Sam Day, Matt Rao, Jack Bowes, and likely the inclusion of any mid-season draft selections we get in the June 2nd mid-season draft. And possibly we might start seeing the return of the prized first round draft pick from last year, Elijah Holland. Yeah, look, and then they're all certainly, you know, welcomed inclusions that you'd love to be able to push forward um, and not have to wait four weeks. But certainly there'll be some 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 uh, some troops that will be arriving as part of the cavalry in the next few weeks, and 
certainly, uh, I think Sam Day, you know, provides a lot of support to, to Ben King um, with the way that they bounce off each other. I think Jack Bowes um, is one of their most important players. Jack knows how I feel about him. I think he's just an absolute star and, um, yeah, really enjoy um, uh, getting the chance to, to spend time with him and, um uh, over the years, and, and certainly uh, I think Hollands is going to be a really exciting player as well. Yeah, absolutely agree. So looking forward to that to come later on this season. And we've only got a few minutes before we finish the show, but I want to touch on the team of the first decade. This was announced by the club last week and consists of a, a range of Suns players from... Um, uh, oh. Foundation players, that's the word, foundation. Foundation players all the way up to current players that uh, and players that have only just come into the side in the last few years. So we've got Jared Harbrow, Stephen May and Charlie Ballard on the back line. Trent McKenzie, Sam Collins and Adam Saad on half back. Tuke Miller, Dion Prestia and Michael Riscatelli in the midfield. Alex Sexton, Charlie Dixon and Jack Martin on the half forward flank. Harley Bennell, Tom Lynch and Brandon Matera in the forward line. Jared Witts, Gary Ablett as captain and David Swallow as vice-captain as the followers. And Sam Day, Cade Collajasny, Jaeger O'Meara and Lockie Weller all make the interchange. Uh, a lot of these players, you've had your, your time with Sean being at the club in that era. Um, are there any names, let's start, any names that stand out that maybe surprised you being on there? Uh, look, to be honest, I, I think, um, and we should make mention of the, the panel who actually um, helped put together the uh, the actual uh, team of the decade uh, from uh, Guy McKenna, the inaugural coach of the Suns, to, to Stuart Jew, to, to Jared Hargrow, who, of course, is the club's uh, games record holder, um, Mark Robinson from the Herald Sun, and then also Alistair Lynch from Fox City, who uh, I don't think there would be a, a TV commentator who's seen or, or who's been at more Suns games over the years than, than Alistair so I think he was a fantastic, uh, fantastic addition. With of course Mark Evans playing the role of non-voting chairman. And um, look, oh, I think they, I think they did a pretty good job, to be honest. Um, uh, every winner of the uh, club champion award, which I believe should be called the Gary Ablett Medal, um, but that's for another day, uh, was certainly um, included in the team. Uh, there were nine current Suns players, I believe, that made the team. Um, and look, I think the balance was was really right. I, I, I feel um, there are there are certain players like Jared Harbour, who you know, and Stephen May, and I would even go as far as saying yes, Sam Collins. Now, I mean, they're just absolute locks down back. So you look at that back line. That the back line, I'm, I'm looking at it now with with even the inclusion of Cade Collajasny off the bench. I, I reckon they probably got that right. What do you think? Um, yeah, the back line. I, I feel they've got that right. There's not. I can't think of any names that are blindingly obvious there. I think the Cade Collar-Jasney one is probably the most surprising out of the whole list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I certainly think... Um I certainly think probably what helped him is there were a couple of years there where he finished, uh, I believe, in the top three and top five for the best yeah. and fairest. 
Um, so I think that certainly plays a role, you know, in terms of the, the footy that he did play. Um, was at a very high level. I mean, geez, the, the raps on, on Cade were, were just huge, um, you know, and I certainly loved the way that he played the game. Uh, so I certainly think those, the consistency that he showed in his, in his first couple of years was, was certainly up there before, uh, you know, injuries took a, took a, took a case. But, um, yeah, look, oh, I certainly think he's, he's probably one of them. I, I thought Lockie Weller... Um, May have been lucky to be included, um, but I, I do believe the last couple of years he, he probably has sort of warranted a spot uh, on the team. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was probably one of the ones that I looked at and I thought, gee, oh, look, could I, could I see him potentially not being in the side? But I, I think when, when you do look at it, um, you know, you, you probably have to throw Lockie Weller in. I mean, the only reason I say Lockie Weller is, you know, do you have to reward someone like Nathan Bock who... Um, or who, who really, you know, played a, an instrumental role in those first couple of years before that broken leg. Um, I mean, he was just massive um, coming to the club as, a, as an All-Australian defender. But, yeah, look, I would say Lockie's probably surpassed him and, and deserves a spot in the team. Yeah. All in all, I think it's hard to argue with that so- side. It, it pretty much is correct, uh, even down to the captain and the vice-captain. It's hard to argue against them. Uh, But that's all the time we've got for today. So until next time, go Suns. Thanks, mate. When you get behind the wheel of a Toyota RAV4 TRD off-road, life-changing moments are always right around the corner. One second, you're picking up your fast-talking East Coast cousin from the bus station. The next, you're blasting down a trail in the backwoods using all-wheel drive, laughing as your dear old cuz falls in love with the dirty South. Yo, this is fire, yo. You boys go hard down South. Woo! Make the most of each moment with an exceptionally capable Toyota SUV like the RAV4 TRD Off-Road. Toyota, let's go places. When you're behind the wheel of a Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro, mighty moments are always right around the corner. One minute you're cruising around town when you find out they're rehabbing the old community center. So you show up in your tough-as-nails quarter-ton truck. Loaded up with lumber, the neighborhood crew, and enough elbow grease to make your old stomping ground shine like new. 14th Street on three. One, two, three. 14th Street! Make the most of each moment with a handsomely rugged Toyota truck like the Tacoma TRD Pro. Toyota, let's go places.